Hey everyone, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, you're listening to the very first episode of Spirit of Prophecy podcast. On this episode, we will be talking about why we worship God and one of the major doctrines where the fear of punishment comes from, originates from, and why most uh, worship God out of fear and, and most actually have a false view of God's character. Most people believe themselves to be overall morally upright or good, and that their good outweighs their bad. And almost everybody you talk to when asking this some questions, say when you go share the gospel with somebody, mm-hmm. you ask them this, questions, th- this question and you say, hey, are you a good person? And most everybody will, will proclaim and say, yeah, I'm a good person. Mm-hmm. I, I do this, I do that, I, right. do, I do these things, I help the poor, I feed the you know, I feed the poor, I help the homeless, whatever it may be, a lot of people will proclaim the good things that they've done. Um, and it's actually funny, Proverbs chapter 20, verse 6 says that most men will proclaim everyone his own goodness, but a faithful man who can find. Um, it's funny that, you know, the Bible actually says that this would happen. And it's so, so common is most people think themselves to be a good person. So it's, mm-hmm. I mean, the Bible explains that perfectly. Um, but the Bible actually says that there is none good. Uh, Psalm chapter 14, verse 3 says, They are all gone aside. They are all together become filthy. There is none that doeth good. No, not one. We have all gone astray. We have all fallen. We have all sinned. We've all come short of the glory of God. Mm-hmm. And that's an important thing to realize is um, there is none of themselves that are good. You know, right. that's a very popular lie that people have been told that, oh, yeah, I'm a good person. Right. Uh, I was born good and I, you know, I'm good. My good will outweigh the bad when in reality. Um, what is know. the standard of good? Right. What but, does that even mean? Exactly. What right. is the standard of good? It's not your good works. It's not, um, it's not the things that you do to achieve anything. It's the standard of good. If we look to the Bible as the Ten Commandments. Right. Um, and looking at the Ten Commandments we see that First uh, John chapter 3, verse 4 says, Whosoever committeth sin transgresseth also the law, for sin is the transgression of the law. If we break any of God's Ten Commandments, James says clearly, I'm sorry, John says clearly that you sin. Mm-hmm. If you break even one, James 2 says, if you break one, you break them all. Right. If you break right. even one of God's Ten Commandments, you're guilty of them all. So. Right. If you've ever lied or if you've ever stolen or if you've ever lusted after someone in your heart, the Bible actually says that if you lust someone, lust after somebody in your heart, you already commit adultery with them. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's about the heart condition. It's not our outward acts. Jesus looks at the inward heart and sees where our truth, the true state of our heart actually is. Mm-hmm. And that's the important thing to realize is God's standard is not just an outward act sort of thing, even though, yes, right. that, it comes with it. But he searches the heart. But he, he tries the heart. Exactly. He knows the heart. We can think that we're lying to him, even if nobody else sees our right. our um, thoughts and our actions. Mm-hmm. You know, if it's just you at home, simply right. put, God God sees it all and we can't hide from him. And I, I take that as a very um, sobering in the best way possible. Mm-hmm. Um, praise his name that we can't hide from him. Right. We can't hide from him. And... Because we have broken that law, his perfect law, his Ten Commandments, 
um, the wages of breaking that law is actually death. God calls the uh, the wages of death. Uh, he calls the wages of sin death. And in Romans chapter six verse twenty three, it says, "The wages of sin is death." And those are the wages that we receive for breaking God's law. That's the just punishment we we receive because we have broken. We have we've mm-hmm. gone against His commandments, and right. that's what He has set in His Bible as as the standard for you know for breaking those commandments. Um, but that's only half of the picture. <laughs> Praise the Lord. The other half, <laughs> the other half of that, is because we've broken God's law. We because we have fallen short. Because we have sinned. Um, God has actually make made a way for us through His Son Christ, that has died on the cross for us. He's by through Jesus Christ. He's made that way for us to get to be reconciled back with the Father because we have broken that law. And that's the beautiful part. Um, yes, the wages of sin is death. Right. But the rest of that verse says, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. So even though we have broken God's law, we can get forgiveness and we can be cleansed because of what Christ has done for us on the cross. He, he died the death that we deserved. We deserve the just, just wages of sin, which is death. Jesus took that punishment on the cross for us so we wouldn't have to bear it ourselves. Mm-hmm. And he grants us eternal life if we accept him, if we repent of our sins, if we turn from our wicked ways and we follow after him, if we keep his commandments, um, we, will be, we will have eternal life with him. And that's the good news is Christ, what Christ has right. done for us. He's, he was died the death that we deserve, but he rose again on the third day. Right. And that's good news that we can all use. Uh, amen. Is, it never gets old amen. hearing that. Amen. Never gets old. And um but there there yeah, Jesus gives you eternal life. There is mm-hmm. there's sad news, but there the good news is so good. Right. Because yes, we have fallen, but Christ has redeemed us back to the Father because of what he's done for us. Right. And what's so beautiful is not only did, did he die that death that we deserved. I mean, we could talk about this for the whole podcast. Mm-hmm. Um but he rested in, in the grave on the blessed Sabbath day. And on the third day, fulfilling prophecy and, oh man, declaring so many <laughs> blessed promises and hope mm-hmm. that we now have is that on the third day, Jesus rose again by the power of God mm-hmm. um, to return back, or return, sorry, come back, was risen from the dead. Right. And um, in that, we have hope just as when our life is hidden in Christ when we love the Lord, when we've surrendered and repented of our ways and put our trust in Jesus Christ, we have hope just as Jesus um, was risen from the dead. We too, uh, even after we die these earthly deaths, we too will rise again with him uh, to meet him in the air, meet him Mm -hmm. in the clouds to be with him forever. Amen. And so praise the Lord that there's victory, uh, not just over sin and not just is there eternal life and salvation through Jesus Christ. Um, there's so, so many other victory blessings, over death, victory over death. That was the yeah, part death that I was itself, meaning to say. Victory over death itself. Yeah, yeah. Because we will rise again. I just want to read a verse ties into this perfectly. Romans chapter five, verse eight and nine. But God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us much more than being now justified by his blood. We shall be saved from wrath through him. 
because, yeah. oh man, it's so beautiful. Because of what he has done, we've been justified by his blood so that we may be saved from wrath through him. Yeah. And even, yeah. Even just talking about it. it and I know I said this already. It never gets old, <laughs> yeah, but it's I, beautiful. oh man, I get like almost, oh, I, I, I'm, we're not worthy to even get to proclaim <laughs> mm-hmm. those blessed, those, that blessed gospel message of what he's done for us. We, oh man, it's just so amazing. Praise his name. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, we wanted to share that because the gospel is, is everything. That's why it's because of the gospel because of the gospel that we're sharing these things with you guys today. Exactly. Yeah. That's the foundation of everything. And that's the, that's the pinnacle. Christ's death and resurrection is the pinnacle of our faith. And so we mentioned at the beginning that we were going to be discussing, um, why some people worship God out of fear or the fear of the punishment. You know, a lot of people have heard of the doctrine of eternal hellfire, um, but they haven't really, maybe they haven't dug into the scriptures about it. Maybe they've heard it from a pastor or a teacher, or um, maybe they've heard it from a friend or a cousin or what have you. Um, we're just going to uh, dig into the scriptures. It's gonna, we're going to go pretty deep. So hopefully you can right stay with us here. Yeah, we're going <laughs> to, right off the bat, we're going to dive right in. and. Um, <laughs> so so stick with us yeah bear yeah, with us with obviously us. this is our first time doing this but also um <laughs> we're just yeah we're we're gonna dive right on in so i want to define fear um fear i found three definitions first definition a very unpleasant or disturbing feeling caused by the presence of imminent danger the second definition a state of a state or condition marked by this feeling so the feeling of fear and the third definition, a feeling of disquiet or apprehension. Um, it's interesting how much this gets twisted, how often that this doctrine is, is I mean, every, so many people have heard of the, the, doctrine, the doctrine of eternal hellfire. Mm-hmm. God's going to punish sinners in hell forever and ever as long as he's right. alive, right. as long as he is living, which is eternal. Right. Forever and ever, people are going to be screaming and in pain and agony and right, torment. in literally tormented in flames forever and ever and ever and ever. Mind you, also and, why Satan's ruling. A lot of people believe also that's like Satan's ruling yeah. with them, ruling or if not ruling, yeah. at least he's there with them, right. suffering suffering that that death as well. Yeah, and so for the question, we want to ask the question: Why do we why do we love God and why do we worship Him? Mm-hmm. Well, the simple answer is love. Mm-hmm. It's not fear. It's love. Um, and we're going to go through a few verses here. Uh, John three sixteen and 17. And probably everybody's heard these. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that through the world, but, sorry, but that the world through him might be saved. And then we see in First John four nineteen that uh, it says we love him because he first loved us. Mm. Um, oh man, that that is that is beautiful. I, I do want to ask. I, you know, those questions is is when talking about those things is is just ask. Think of these questions. Um, you know, from a logical perspective before we move forward to is 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 the doctrine of burning in hellfire is that supported by the Bible? Mm-hmm. Um, and does it reflect the character of God? And just even from 
from those um, two verses, we're already getting a taste mm-hmm. taste of why it is that we worship. Um, and right, yeah, simply put, why it is that we worship Him, mm-hmm. what motivates us. Right. Second uh, Timothy chapter one verse seven says, "For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind." It's nice how God doesn't give us a spirit of fear. That fear does not come from Him. Yeah, we, it we we worship Him out of when when the Bible says fear, it means reverence. Like when it's talking and relating to God, it means reverent and respect and realizing that He is the Creator and we are the creatures. It's not a fear of cowering in the corner, trembling. Right, right. But when we do get that fear, that comes from, it doesn't come from God, that comes from the enemy. And awestruck and right. yeah, uh, on your knees. In, right. And wow, what an awesome God we serve, or wow. Amen. How unworthy we are to, to that type of, yeah, undeserving, awestruck. At least that's how I relate it to. Um, in First John 4, 8, we see that it says, he that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. The very definition of love itself, God is love. God is love. He's not tyrant. It doesn't say God is a tyrant. No, right. it says God is love. It's not a feeling either. Right, not a feeling. It's a principle. It's a principle. He is love. Yeah, he Even is though love. we do have that experience. Right, right. First John 4.18 says, There is no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out fear because fear hath torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. Amen. Oh, that's one of my fr- favorite yeah, verses. It is a, yeah, it is a good one. <laughs> uh, and then we see, just got more of God's, who God is and his character. Um, we see in 2 Peter 3, 9, the Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we see also in Lamentations uh, 3, 32 through 33. But though he cause grief, yet will he have compassion according to the multitude of his mercies. For he does not afflict willingly nor grieve the children of men. Mm-hmm. Amen. Exactly. That just shows his character right there, those two verses. Right. Um, Jeremiah 29, verse 11. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you an expected end. Then shall ye call upon me, and ye shall go and pray unto me, and I will hearken unto you. <laughs> oh, that's beautiful. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Psalm 40, verse 5. Many, O Lord my God, are thy wonderful works which thou hast done, and thy thoughts which are to usward. They cannot be reckoned up in order unto thee. If I would declare and speak of them, they are more than can be numbered. <laughs> just it, you, these are we're only going through a few verses but you can right. see the character of god his, just his love compassion just compassion long suffering long suffering patience mercy, he doesn't grace. of course he doesn't want his own creatures to perish right he doesn't want to he wants all to come to repentance that's the character of god right he's he's not uh, a hard taskmaster he's not a a master over his slaves no he is a compassionate loving right his character is full of compassion and love right and just these verses alone show that and it's interesting too if we go to james 1 uh james 1 13 our god doesn't even tempt us um he says it says let no man say when he is tempted i am tempted of god 
For God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. Satan is the one who tempts us. And and he God doesn't send us evil as well. Right. Through right. through those temptations that Satan sends us, God's God tests us. Right. But he's not the one throwing those at us. Right. That comes from the enemy. God right. does not tempt his children. He does it's not from him. Right. And then we have the beautiful promise of first Corinthians ten thirteen. God allows obviously those Satan to tempt us for you know for our good. Right. And we can count it all joy, as it says, right? Mm-hmm. When we right. uh various temptations. Um but we see in First Corinthians ten thirteen, there has no temptation taken you but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape that ye may be able to bear it. Mm-hmm. Wow. It, he never, that's, that just shows his love again. We, mm-hmm. we, we praise the Lord that his word doesn't uh, return void because mm-hmm. we can add all the comments we want, but simply put, that's so right. beautiful. His word does, does it justice. Amen. And our God who is love, who knows the number of hairs on our head, who gives us all the unique qualities that we have. Mm-hmm. The color of our eyes, the color of our hair, uh, the God who doesn't want any to perish, but all to come to repentance. The one who has compassion on the poor, the sick, the fatherless, the widow, the hurting, the hungry, and the brokenhearted. Does it seem like the character of, the character of God, who is love itself, would punish those who disobey him with torment, screaming pain, and agony, and eternity without end? While those in heaven look down as they enjoy their heavenly bliss, singing hallelujah, praying harps, and in perfect peace, uh, that these sights of sights and sounds of eternal torment will, um, you know, exalt the saints' joy and peace for all eternity. If truly think about that, that does no, that does not make any no, sense at, not all. at all, and it goes completely against God's character to to throw that upon. To throw that upon him, it. I mean, if you truly think about the implications of that, no, it doesn't right. doesn't make any sense. Where God is a God of logic, right? And as logically, well. if we really, though, so many doctors. Sad thing is, is that it's just been, um, so ingrained, and so whether you're whether you are a Christian or not, whether you attend a church, whatever it may be, it's one. It's one of those dooctrines that Satan has so cunningly. Mm-hmm. Um, spread like even as the twisted lie, yeah, spread. twisted and yep. spread of uh, the assumption in some form of yeah, eternal torment, whether that's purgatory, however that looks, some form right. of that, and um, you just understand it, even if you you aren't a Christian and you don't go to church. That's the that's the understanding, anyways. But from a logical perspective, if you think about it for just a moment, it just doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. It just doesn't make sense, and just. Take a look at like a story, for example. Just we'll just gonna say an analogy and just hear us out on this. Would say for example, okay, you have a father and a child. Would a father torment or beat his child for five years if the child played baseball in the house and say he broke a window? Would that father torment a child for five years, even if he did it on purpose? Right. He purposely threw the ball at the window, broke right. out of spite, yeah. Yeah. Out of just because he wanted to revenge or something. Mm-hmm. Do you think that father would beat him for even a year, five years a year? No, no of course he's not no. going to beat him. No. He's, yeah, he's going to, there's going to be consequences. Right. 
to disobeying his father. There is going to be a set standard, but he's not going to beat him for years, even, no, one, five years, no. There's going to be, there there will be a, a consequence. A just punishment. But a just too. punishment, a, just a balanced punishment, punishment a balanced, according right. to what he has done. Right. It's not going to be torment for a year, five years, ten years, anything like that. And it's interesting, too, that we, uh, the gospel in, in the book of Matthew says, if we being evil, uh, here, I'll just read the verse because the verse says it a lot better than I can say it. <laughs> so <laughs> Matthew chapter 7, verse 1 says, If ye then, being evil, know how to give, give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your Father which is in heaven give good things to them that ask him? If we, being evil, can, can give good gifts, how much more can our Father give us good, good things and good gifts? Right. I mean, just think of that comparison. We're the evil ones, and right. we can, because of the love we have, I'm not a parent, but because right. of um, a father has his love, an earthly father has his love is for his child, his son or daughter, of course he wouldn't beat him. Right. Of course, because he loves him so much, there's, because of that love actually as well, um, there will be a just consequence, but it's not, you know, it's not beating. No. And Proverbs says in um, Proverbs 11, verse 1, it says, A false balance is an abomination to the Lord, but a just weight is his delight. It's not a, it's not a balance to say that God is love, God is merciful, God is compassionate. And then the other hand, to say God is a tyrant and punishes and tortures people for all eternity without end. It doesn't know. No, it it's a false balance. Right. I mean, think about even, okay, say a good, the standard of a good earthly parent. Mm-hmm. Say, you know, a godly father who, you know, follows the Lord, obeys him, you know, by the grace of Jesus Christ. And he has to punish his child because of something they've done. Most likely that that father knows that the best thing is to discipline him, but right. guaranteed, even whatever that discipline looks like, um, for you know that just consequence, as we were saying, is he probably is weeping. He's probably right, you know, doing that punishment. But then, his heart is so grieved that he even had to do that to his child because he loves mm-hmm. him so much yeah. on the one hand, exactly, and does it in his love punishes him, but yet weeps that he even has to do that and. Um, what I, you know, obviously our parents are, are, have fallen short just as we have too, but, but, um, so it's hard to even comprehend, but God, he is perfect in his, in his role. He, he won't, he's going to be perfect in his judgment and his, his punishment. Yeah. And the Bible even says, um, in Proverbs again, uh, 13 verse 24, chapter 13, verse 24, he that spareth his rod hateth his son, but he that loveth him chasteneth him betimes. So, and, and again in Proverbs 22, verse 14, foolishness is bound in the heart of a child, but the rod of correction shall drive it far from him. We even see this in Scripture. Right. That right. It, is a, it, it is a good thing to discipline your child. Right. But justly. Justly be, is the key. It, it, the Bible says, uh, just like we just read, but he that loveth him chasteneth him betimes. Right. Right. It's basically saying when they, how I see it, when they screw up, you, you chasten them. You right. let them know, okay, this is your consequence or right. you, you messed up here. 
here's how you do better. Because how will we know if we don't, if we're not exactly. corrected, how do we know how to do better? And and obviously we can all attest to God in his loving mercy and kindness, correcting us and chastening us ourselves. And we see obviously um, also this in scripture as well. Hebrews 12, 11. Yeah. Uh, now no chastening for the present seemeth to be joyous, but grievous. Nevertheless, afterward, it yieldeth the peaceful fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. Mm. Oh, amen. amen. And that is, that is, oh man, I, we comment, I could comment all the time. I want <laughs> to give verse. comment, but yeah, it's, every it's, verse, I don't yeah. have, I don't have to say anything yeah. more other than, we don't have the time than, either. But we, don't have the t- <laughs> we don't have the time either, amen. <laughs> but the reason why this doctrine is put out by, it's really, it's a doctrine of demons. Right. If you right. look to it, uh, Saint wants to paint God as a tyrant to lead many away from him. Yeah. He he manipulates his perfect character by taking certain verses and twisting them into hellish doctrines to fit his design bewitchments. Um, he is this doctrine alone has created atheists and infidels and haters of God and um, it's just this alone has done an immense yeah. amount of damage. Immense so amount much. of damage. Yeah, it grieves it grieves my heart. I know we have to keep going, but I just have to say that it I think one of the biggest reasons I praise the Lord that He's even guiding us to do this topic today, but one of the biggest reasons I I I have a well for all truth, but especially I think of the atheists that have made the argument of why why or how can God be love while also, you know, um right. supporting the eternal, the false doctrine of eternal hellfire and flames, and many right. atheists. I I pray for them. I need to pray for them more often, because yeah. Oh, if they, it's logically they are right on when they're asking the questions that they're asking. Mm-hmm. Um, to those Christians that sadly don't see the truth yet of the eternal, you know, false doctrine of the eternal hellfire, it grieves my heart so much. And so I pray yeah. that, yeah, I pray that many many yep. atheists that do want to know the truth, they they will get to hear what is what the truth on hellfire right and so now we're going to get into verses you're probably thinking okay but where you know where where are you getting this from you're saying these things but right. where what scriptures are saying this where are you getting this from well you know we, we do get it from the bible and we're going to right now we're going to go through scriptures that talk about what happens um what is the punishment for sin and what what happens uh as the just punishment for the wages of the wicked who are um you know, that what does the punishment look like? If it's not eternal hellfire, right. what, is, what is hellfire? Right. What does this mean? Because so, we see that's clearly in the Bible. Right. Hell, it says hellfire many times, right? Clearly in the scriptures. But this is what it means. Um, first of all, yeah, we're going to go through a bunch of verses. Um, and we're going to start off with this. First Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9 and 10. Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived, neither fornicators nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. The wicked get what they want, eternal separation from God. They didn't want to follow him. um, They didn't want to follow him here on, you know, day to day when God was trying to reach to reach out to them while they had the opportunity, so why would they want to be in heaven with him? Right. That's not their, they don't want to be. Um, God's children are motivated by love and can't fathom the thought of not getting to be with our Father and the Savior and the Holy Spirit for eternity in heaven. Right. We can't right. fathom the, the fact of 
being apart from the Godhead, from being apart from our Savior forever and ever. We just want to be with Him. We want to be near Him. We want to learn from Him. We want to ask Him questions. Who knows? When we, you know, cling on to His ankles when we get to heaven and not leave there maybe for a couple eternities. I don't know. A couple eternities. But, (laughs) But we can't fathom the fact of being separated from our Lord. Um, but the one who doesn't, you know, they don't want heaven in the first place. Um, and as God's creatures, hellfire was never intended for us in the first place. It was only intended for Satan and his demons. But because of disobedience and because of the things that we choose on this, in this, on this earth, we as well just get the punishment. And Notice, we went over this verse earlier, Romans chapter 6, verse 23, but, but notice, pay attention to what it says here. It says, for the wages of sin is death. Death. It doesn't say the wages of sin is eternal life. Mm-mm. It doesn't say the wages of sin is eternal life in hellfire. It says the wages of sin is death. So that's, that, it's very clear that, um, that, that death is the just is the just punishment it's that's what it will be the wages of sin is death but it's interesting how um the wicked the wicked were never ever promised life uh, but were promised death because of their wages only only the righteous were promised eternal life through because of what christ has done through jesus christ and eternal life can't come from anything or by anyone except through Christ alone. Uh, nothing else will give you eternal life. Sin does not grant you eternal life. It doesn't, because you've sinned, that doesn't grant you to be immortal all of a sudden. Mm-hmm. Um, you, eternal life only comes through Christ. I know I've said that, but it's an important thing to stress. Um, and then I'm, I'm going to take you to 1 John chapter 3, verse 15. And pay attention, try to pay attention to what this says here. It says, Whosoever hateth his brother is a murderer. And ye know that no murderer hath eternal life abiding in him. It's it's just interesting how it's so it's so generally understood in our world in Christendom in general, mm-hmm. Protestantism and what have you, and in everybody that whether you sin or whether you don't sin, whether you're Christian or whether you're not Christian, you're going to be, you're naturally immortal. Right. Because right. of, you're naturally immortal. Whether you go to hell, you're going to be alive forever, for eternity. Whether you go to heaven, you're going to be alive for eternity. When in reality, the basic truth is, if you sin and if you don't repent, right. you're going to die, death is your punishment. Right. You're not going to have eternal life. You're going to be mortal. But those who trust in Christ no eternal life can come through Christ alone. There's no other no other name given among men whereby we must be saved, right? Right, amen. As the scripture says, but eternal life comes through Christ alone. Amen. And that's the important thing to realize. And that's the hope. That's the hope yeah. of staying to be with him for exactly. eternity, as you were saying earlier. That's the hope. And then I'll jump into another verse here. Malachi chapter 4, verse 1 and 3. For behold, the day cometh that shall burn as an oven, and all the proud, yea, and all that do wickedly shall be stubble. And the day that cometh shall burn them up, saith the Lord of hosts. 
that it shall leave them neither root nor branch, and ye shall tread down the wicked, for they shall be ashes under the soles of your feet in the day that I shall do this, saith the Lord of hosts. Wow, it makes it so going to be clear. ashes. Right, ashes. Right. Ashes. And, and then we see also, as we remember, as we said earlier, um, talking about Satan and that common belief that he's, you know, in eternal bring hellfire as well. But we see uh, the scriptures testify to what actually happens to Satan. Uh, the creator of sin. The creator of sin. Yeah. He who was kicked out of, out of heaven for disobedience. Mm-hmm. Um, in Ezekiel twenty eight seventeen through 19. Thine heart, uh, speaking of Satan here, was lifted up because of thy beauty. Thou hast corrupted thy wisdom by reason of thy brightness. I will cast thee to the ground. I will lay thee before kings, that they may behold thee. Thou hast defiled thy sanctuaries by the multitude of thine iniquities, by the iniquity of thy traffic. Therefore will I bring a fire from the midst of thee. It shall devour thee, and I will bring thee to ashes upon the earth in the sight of all them that behold thee. All they that know thee among the people shall be astonished at thee. Thou shalt be a terror, and never shalt thou be any more. Exactly. And so very clear. Yeah. And it's the very, I mean, how unfair would that be? Think about this. The creator of sin, Satan himself, mm-hmm. who, stir, who was the first one to disobey, the creator of sin himself who got cast to the earth, he gets away with the punishment of death. He becomes ashes. He gets destroyed to never be ever again. He gets, um, he's literally going to be ashes, just like it says. Mm-hmm. But then his his the ones who he he tempted, the ones who were following after him, are going to be burning in hellfire for eternity. Of course, that wouldn't make sense at all. But these verses are very clear that the wicked and the author of of sin himself, Satan, are going to be burned to ashes. They're going to be nothing. Right. The saints are going to be walking on top of them. Right. I mean, it just how like how blunt the scriptures are to give a right. literal like like a picture of what's actually going to be happening. The saints that inherit the new earth are going to literally be walking upon their ashes. How literal and how how literal and how blunt the word of God is there on that point. And a lot of people probably haven't even seen these verses before, and that's why we wanted to, you know, make sure to, to bring these up. Another place you want to go is... Uh, Nahum chapter 1, verse 15 and 16. That's what it says. For the day of the Lord is near upon all the heathen. As thou hast done, it shall be done unto thee. Thy reward shall return upon thine own head. For as ye have drunk upon my holy mountain, so shall all the heathen drink continually. Yea, they shall drink, and they shall be swallowed down. Oh, sorry. And they shall swallow down. And they shall be as though they had not been. Wow. Yeah. Think, yeah, think about that. They shall be as though they have not been. They're, they're going to be non-existent for mm-hmm. eternity, basically. Mm-hmm. They're going to, as if they were never alive and never created. Right. Never right. created. Right. And then we see here in Isaiah 66, uh, verses 22 to 24. For as the new heavens and the new earth, which I will make, shall remain before me, saith the Lord, so shall your seed and your name remain. And it shall come to pass that from one new moon to another, and from one Sabbath to another, shall all flesh come to worship before me, saith the Lord. 
and they shall go forth and look upon the carcasses of the men that have transgressed against me. For their worm shall not die, neither shall their fire be quenched, and they shall be an abhorring unto all flesh. Mm -hmm. Isaiah 47, verse 14. We've still got quite a few scriptures to go through, so try to pick up the pace here. But, um... (laughs) Yeah, Isaiah 47, 14. Uh, Behold, they shall be as stubble. The fire shall burn them. They shall not deliver themselves from the power of the flame. There shall not be a coal to warm at, nor fire to sit before it. <laughs> Just makes it Very clear. pretty yeah, pretty clear yeah. there. Um, and this, in the next section, we're going to get into Genesis. Yeah. But remember... At the beginning of creation, the first temptation, the first thing that Satan's deception, what was his very first deception that he's still been using for thousands of years, thousands thousands of years. This is what it is. Genesis chapter three, verse one to four. Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field, which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, yea, hath God said, ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden. And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God hath said, Ye shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. And the serpent said unto woman, And the serpent said unto the woman, Ye shall not surely die. It's so funny how is like the original you're if you disobey if you sin you're not gonna die yeah you'll be you'll fine. be fine you'll it's become as little, gods right right that's what that, that was his next thing you're gonna become as gods right. you'll knowing good from evil right isn't right. that crazy how that lie satan started in the garden ye shall not die right. the scripture says no the wages of sin is death you'll gain this wisdom that isn't for you to know <laughs> yeah yeah and, well, yeah when the bible clearly says the wages of sin is death but uh, another place we want to bring you to, Second Peter chapter 3, verse 10, says, But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in the which the heavens shall pass away with great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. The earth also, and the works there that are therein, shall be burned up. Wow. Yeah, and in John three thirty six, He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. And he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. Mm, Shall not see life. Makes it pretty clear once again. Ezekiel chapter 18 verse 32 says, For I have no pleasure in the death of him that dieth, saith the Lord God. Wherefore, turn yourselves and live ye. God knows what's going to happen if they don't repent. So he says, pleading with them, turn yourselves and live. Right. Yeah, and it's, uh, we even see that this hellfire, you know, as the Bible calls it, or this destruction of the wicked, um, we see that a few spots actually here, so we'll go over those as well. Uh, Isaiah twenty-eight twenty-one, For the Lord shall rise up as in Mount Perizim, he shall be wroth as in the valley of Gibeon, that he may do his work, his strange work, and bring to pass his act, his strange act. Mm-hmm. Another place we want to bring you to is the book of Jude, chapter 1, verse 7. Well, there's only one chapter, but, you know, <laughs> verse 7. Even as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities about them in like manner, giving themselves over to fornication and going after strange flesh, are set forth for an example, 
suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. Now, if you notice, pay, you know, pay attention to this, what Jude's saying here. Okay, Sodom and Gomorrah, we know what happened to Sodom and Gomorrah, right? The Lord rained down fire and brimstone upon Sodom and Gomorrah. This verse in Jude says, Sodom and Gomorrah is set forth as an example, suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. Now, it's interesting it says eternal fire. We know that Sodom and Gomorrah is not still burning today. Right. If, you, if you go to Sodom and Gomorrah today, it's ashes. Right. It's not burning today. We, we know, we, yeah, we know for a fact that Sodom and Gomorrah is, is definitely not burning today. That's common right. sense. Right. But it, 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 it's, the Bible is using it as an analogy right. to say right. this example, just like Sodom and Gomorrah, this is going to be like the wicked. This is right. going to be like the, exactly what happens to the wicked. Because the Bible, and because we know eternity can, you know, depending on context, the Bible uses it in different forms. Like mm-hmm. you could say, oh, I've been waiting in line for eternity. I've been in traffic forever. Oh, I've been in traffic forever. We see, <laughs> yeah, forever, exactly with eternity, yeah, depending on too, context. Right, definitely. Yes, eternity can mean literally eternity forever. Right. Um, In the sense of. Oh, that's so funny what I just said. I said both eternity in both ways. But, but forever is the one that gets twisted. That's the one the that gets twisted. The word forever. For especially gets if, yeah, twisted. If, but you, if you look line upon line, and we can maybe go into this in next yeah, episode. Hopefully we're gonna get to, yeah, but forever, sense. if you look at the context, for example, just one sliver here. Jonah, when he was, was in the whale, he said he was in the whale for forever. Right. He was in there right. three days. Right, right. So it's, it's dependent on context. Dependent on context. It's all dependent on context. Right. But the next verse, uh, going back to what you said about Sodom and Gomorrah being an example, we'll just go through a couple more verses that confirms this even further. Second Peter, oh, I'm sorry, I just read that. Uh, Luke chapter 17, verse 29 says, But the same day that Lot went out, went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. So we see fire brimstone, it destroyed them. Right, destroyed. <laughs> destroyed. And Jeremiah 17. Yep, Jeremiah 27. seventeen twenty seven. Yep, go yeah, go read that one. Uh, but if you will not hearken unto me to hallow the Sabbath day and not to bear a burden, even entering in at the gates of Jerusalem on the Sabbath day, then will I kindle a fire in the gates thereof, and it shall devour the palaces of Jerusalem, and it shall not be quenched. And there's another example, just like Sodom and Gomorrah. Um, the fire is not literally burning for eternity. It's it's symbolic. It. We can see that Jerusalem is not burning today. Again, we know that it's not burning. Um, but it says clearly, Jeremiah says, it shall devour the palaces of Jerusalem. It's a fire, it's a fire that consumes and cannot be put out or quenched by anyone because God is the one who kindles it. Nobody can quench, can quench God's fire. Another, another few verses that are quite, uh, quite blunt and um, that we'll, we'll take you through here. Uh, Psalm 104, verse 35. This is what it says. Let the sinners be consumed out of the earth, and let the wicked be no more. Bless thou the Lord, O my soul. Praise ye the Lord. And we also know that sin will, is never going to rise again. It's never going to rise a second time because Nahum chapter 1, verse 9 says, What do ye imagine against the Lord? He will make an utter end. Affliction shall not rise up the second time and we can that's a beautiful promise as well yes that Mm -hmm. sin is not affliction sin destruction anything 
is not going to rise up against yeah. because we know that Satan's going to be destroyed. We know the wicked right. are going to be destroyed because of God's mercy, because of his justice. Right. And no sin will be in heaven. No killing. No right. tears. Mm-hmm. No, there's, yeah, sin cannot, Satan's not there to tempt anybody to sin anyways. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And we wouldn't want to. We want to in eternity. It's going to be our desire to to walk in that perfection. Right. Absolutely. So what happens when the wicked are raised at the second resurrection after the thousand-year millennium? The wicked surround the holy city, New Jerusalem, with the saints who are inside. And the wicked are then destroyed and consumed with fire, just like Sodom and Gomorrah. Um, And this is what the Bible calls the second death. The wicked who have died before, either at Christ's second coming or from thousands of years past, will be raised from the dead to receive their wages and will be literally blotted out of existence for eternity. And we might do another episode on the state of the dead as well, what what happens to that, but that can be in a later Yeah, and that can can bring some clarity too for some people too. I think it's important to also understand that really summed up, this is super, super basic, that when Jesus does return for the second time, the first thing that happens, as we see in 1 Thessalonians uh, 4, verses uh, 15, 16, 17, um, it talks about that first, the event of um, the righteous righteous living and the righteous dead, those that had died. What happens? um, Yeah, what happens at the last trump when Jesus returns, they rise to meet him in the air. Yeah. Um, the righteous dead first rise, and then and then the righteous living join them as well to meet them in the air and meet to meet the Jesus in the air. In the air. Yep. And then there's the thousand years of rest mm-hmm. um, where the earth is desolate. And then now this is where we're at now. And I just wanted to add that little yeah. little piece that then there's a second resurrection. Because, yeah, yeah, because that second resurrection, that's when the wicked, all who all the wicked who have ever been alive, basically, right. are raised up right. after the thousand-year millennium. <laughs> to receive, That's to receive to their just wages. Right. How many people have? However, the many people that that has been over the the history of the earth. Mm-hmm. And and this is what after the after the the thousand year period, this is what the Bible calls the second death. That's why if you ever see the phrase like we'll go through a few of the scriptures here, but it so I mostly in Revelation that talks about the second death. But if you see the second death, that's what it's referring to. Revelation chapter twenty verse six says. Blessed and holy is he that hath part in the first resurrection. That's the one when at one when Christ, like Hannah was just saying, at Christ's coming. That's what happens, the first resurrection. So it says, Blessed is blessed and holy is he that hath part part in the first resurrection. On such the second death hath no power, but they shall be priests of God and of Christ, and shall reign with him a thousand years. Revelation chapter twenty, verse nine, going on a little further, and they went up on the breadth of the earth encompassed the camp of the saints about. So this is talking about the wicked, compassing around the saints. And they compassed, or compassed, sorry, I'm not sure how to say that, compassed the camp of the saints about and the beloved city, talking about New Jerusalem. And fire came down from God out of heaven and devoured them, just like Sodom and Gomorrah. Interesting. The, mm-hmm. um, yeah, it says very clearly, and devoured them. That's what's called the second death. Revelation 21, verse 8. But the fearful and unbelieving and the abominable and murderers and whoremongers and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars shall have their part in the lake with, which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. And I did want to share as well um, another verse 
we see in Isaiah 65, 17, For behold, I create new heavens and a new earth, and the former shall not be remembered, nor come into mind. And then we see in Revelation 21, 1, And I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first mm-hmm. heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. So we see that, I mean, everything's going to become new. So yeah. even those ashes, everything, every stubble, right. all the, you know, literally... The earth is going to be made brand new. Everything. So Literally, the fire is going to purify the old earth. Where would eternal burning and hellfire even yeah. happen? A lot of, it's interesting. A lot of people think that, you know, heaven, hell, hell is below the earth, right? right. Yeah. right. And we all have that imagination. That right. right. You know, Satan's ruling below the earth, underneath right. in Hades, hellfire, right? Right. But in reality, no, that's not true at all. Hellfire is an event. Right. It's an event that happens to the wicked. Right. The, the second death that happens is their just punishment, which actually, as well, God's God's presence, it's a shield unto the righteous, but yet it's a fire to the wicked. Right. Because it's gonna be, it's gonna literally cleanse the earth, and that's why, like you just read, right. We there will be a new heaven and a new earth upon where we are at the moment. It will become the capital of heaven. New Jerusalem will come down from God out of heaven, as the scripture says in Revelation. Mm-hmm and will be upon where we are at the moment. But this this earth has to be cleansed by fire. Right, right. And then new life can spring up. Even with natural fires. Right. For some, even controlled, it, yeah, think about controlled forest fires. Right. There's a purpose you to remove the dead branches, to remove the dead brush. Right. And it creates, once you th- put that fire through, it actually purifies the ground. It purifies so everything right. can flourish. And Think it's of kind the beauty of a, that comes yeah, after. It's always. kind of an interesting, mm-hmm. the analogy, similar to what's going to happen at the end. But just looking at it just from a natural perspective, it makes so much sense. Mm-hmm. Um, just looking at it that way and as an analogy. But um, that's why it's so important to study the scriptures and, and not just go, you have to go line upon line, as Isaiah 28 says. It says, whom shall he teach knowledge, and whom shall he make to understand doctrine? Them that are weaned from the milk and drawn from the breast. For precept must be upon precept, precept upon precept, line upon line, line upon line, here little and there little. So we have to make sure we're taking, because the Bible isn't, you can't just take two books of the Bible and say, right. oh, we got everything, right. I understand it completely. You've got to go from Genesis to Revelation to make sure, am I understanding this properly? Am I seeing this properly? Is it lining up with God's character? Because the Bible is, it is God's, God's love letter to his children, but it's also a a revelation of his character Mm -hmm. and how good he is. It's a revelation of eternal, it's a revelation of everything we need to know. (laughs) Everything we need to know. Yeah, basically. (laughs) Uh, But I want to take you to a couple places here. Proverbs chapter 25, verse 2 says it is the glory of God to conceal a thing, but the honor of kings is to search out a matter. Right. Jesus even says to search the scriptures. I like that. It's one of one of my favorite verses. Um, but it is the but the honor of kings is to search out a matter. So the important thing is to search the scriptures. If you see something that isn't making sense that seems to be and seem to be so clear and straightforward. And in reality, you know, you just have to compare it scripture upon scripture, line upon line, because the Bible interprets itself. That's a beautiful thing. You don't need an outside book or an outside source to explain the Bible. It explains itself perfectly. Right. But we're the ones, we often so misunderstand it so much. We have to go to other portions of the scriptures to understand what God is trying to say to us. 
Right, right. And that's and that's the important thing too that I want to talk about. You know, that's a good thing to right. stress. And what's so, I always think about would God give his children a book that they couldn't understand, especially if they right. in humility want to learn and, and love him. And obviously if, um, when we, by God's grace, keep his commandments, by Jesus giving, you know, helping us to do that. Um, it's so neat that how often in the Bible do we see that God, you know, seek the Lord or right. he, um, you know, like some of my favorite verses is the Lord is good unto them that wait for him to the soul that seeketh him. Right. Or it says that like in Hebrews that he is a rewarder, right. To of them that uh, diligently yeah, seek him. them that diligently yeah. seek him. And yeah. so it's so neat. But how do we, the question Praise is, how do we seek him? Well, by studying yeah. his scripture, by studying the word with prayer and, faith yeah. and prayer. And we prayer must so always pray before. It'd be a good topic to do a That's podcast a, on. Amen. Yeah, we'll <laughs> see what the Lord so wills. And even within this doctrine of hellfire, there's, that was just almost just getting the surface of it because there's oh, yeah. so many things, you know, like Very what happens surface. when we die and yep. what does hell mean in the Bible? That's not talking about, again, that place. No, it's it's the grave. It's pit. And mm-hmm. and I know for me, it's been such a blessing in Austin, but having a strong concordance, using references as you can, but prayer and studying is such, That's... such a big big correlation needed yeah. you can't do it without yes the i think more than anything the important thing is prayer before right. you open your before bible before you open your bible get, get, yeah like i can only say so much to you it's up to you to do this yourself but get on your knees in humility before god and say right. god i don't understand myself it, i can't of my own intellect i can't understand anything of my own no. knowledge i can understand anything in your word right what are you trying to say to me for right. i like to say it's just one of the prayers I'd like to say, God, what are you trying to tell me today? Right. Like, how can I be listening? Right. Like, where, how, yeah, how can I be listening to you? But not only that, help me to understand your scriptures. Apart from any bias, any preference, any, right. th- any favorite thing that I have, right. any past tradition that I'm holding on to, preconceived notions, any preconceived yep. ideas, notions, right. anything, doctrines, God, Take that away so I can understand your word as you want me to see it. Right, Not right. by the traditions of men, right. but by the Holy Spirit of God. What are you trying to show me through your word? Yeah, and getting, yeah, just that prayer is so, so important. so important. Make sure you're praying before you read your Bible. And don't, don't go into your Bible um, flippantly. And go into it with reverence and respect and go into it. Um, just from a pure conscience and just ask God to open up the word to you. And yeah, that amen. is so, so important. I praise God that he, I, I think, I, I don't know where I heard that from, but somebody told me that, like, make sure. I'm like, well, it makes so much sense. Right. Why would you not want to pray before t- right. before talking with the one who created you, before trying to learn more of him? Right. Um, to pray, to, to talk with him before you even go into him, just right. to show that. You want to learn not of your own selves, but from Amen. from him alone. Amen. And that's the beautiful thing of that. I always love that. Um, I heard this quote a long, long time ago when I was first. <laughs> I shouldn't say a long, long time ago. That's, again, depending <laughs> on context for some people. Forever. Forever. <laughs> <laughs> right. But at the beginning, very beginning of my Christian walk, I remember um, somebody sharing a quote uh, that said, when asked, what is more important, prayer or reading the Bible? I ask, what is more important, breathing in or breathing out? And I remember, I like that one. (laughs) You need both to survive. You need, need, well, breathing in and breathing out. In in study. And I know for me, God has been so faithful. I'm still learning in this regard is trusting him and that 
he's so faithful to help me because um, I've struggled with this in the past, but how when you're in study, right, especially when it can be overwhelming and so exciting because you're like, Lord, I want to study it all, is just trusting when you in prayer ask mm-hmm. the whole, as Oswin's saying, I know I, he said it all pr- very nicely. Holy Spirit, please help me to understand because I can't understand on my own. I, I lack yeah. wisdom, intellect, everything. Uh, but uh, strength and persever- perseverance, but also to help me to trust him that he's, when the Holy Spirit puts a little thought that I'd be like, ah, I wouldn't say, oh, that doesn't really make sense. Are you sure, Lord? No, I just simply trust whatever that is that he's putting in your mind and go to that aspect and before or go to aspect not aspect go to that um heed that call whatever that that inkling that the holy spirit is giving you follow that and it's always yep. oh he's always so faithful to guide you exactly what to to give you the answer that you need yeah just make sure you're listening to his voice and that's a important thing absolutely i we want to end here uh, I know it's been a pretty long podcast here, so thanks for bearing with us. If you um, made it all the way to the end. <laughs> so uh, I yes. want to share a couple quotes from The Spirit of Prophecy, Volume 4, the unedited 1884 version, page 355. It says this, two um, paragraphs here. How repugnant to every emotion of love and mercy, and even to our sense of justice, is the doctrine that the wicked dead are tormented with fire and brimstone in an eternal in an eternally burning hell, that the sins of, of a brief earthly life, they are to suffer torture as long as God shall live. Yet this doctrine has been generally embodied in the creeds of Christendom. Isn't that crazy? Um, that's not in there, but I was just saying it's crazy it how crazy. everybody believes it. She goes, uh, um, it goes on to say, says a learned doctor of divinity. The sight of hell torments will exalt the happiness of the saints forever when they see others who are in the same nature and born under the same circumstances plunged in such a misery and they are distinguished. It will make them sensible of how happy they are. Another uses these words. While the decree of reprobation is eternally executed, executing on the vessels of wrath, the smoke of their torment will be eternally ascending in view of the vessels of mercy who instead of taking part of these miserable objects will say, Amen, Alleluia, praise the Lord. Where in the pages of God's word are such sentiments expressed? Those who, are presented, those who present them may be learned and even honest men, but they are deluded by the sophistry of Satan. He leads them to misconstrue strong expressions of scripture, giving to the language the coloring of bitterness and malignity which pertains to himself, but not our creator. What would be gained to God should we admit that he delights in witnessing unceasing tortures, that he is regaled with the groans and shrieks and imprecations of the suffering creatures whom he holds in the flames of hell? Can these horrid sounds be music in the ear of infinite love? It is urged that the infliction of endless misery upon the wicked would show God's hatred of sin as an evil which is ruinous to the uh, ruinous to the peace and order of the universe. O oh, dreadful blasphemy, as if God's hatred of sin is the reason why he perpetuates sin. For according to the received theology, continued torture without hope of mercy maddens its wretched victims, and as they pour out their rage in curses and blasphemy, 
They're forever augmenting their load of guilt. Wow. I get Do you wow. really, yeah, really think about what this doctrine implies? Like logically, like from a, Re- even from a logical. E- just from logic or reason alone. Alone. Obviously the scriptures, it's everywhere in there, but right, just from right. that alone, it's just, if you really, really think about it, right. pray about it, think about it, is would God, a God of love who wants all of us to come to repentance, want that? Right, right. Want to e- extend that for all eternity, yeah. the sufferings of the ones of his victims. And and I just encourage, you know, everybody, if anybody, um, yeah, anybody that's listening to, because I've, I've prayed about these things is, why is it, um, you know, if you are a Christian or wherever you're at, why is it that you want to uh, follow the Lord? Why is it that you serve him? Is it from right. a fear of that punishment? What's you, the heart behind it? Yeah, what's the heart? Or is it because you are so thankful and you love him for what he's done for you mm-hmm. that you can't fan the being without him for eternity. Mm-hmm. Because I know I, I, and especially in the beginning of my walk when I hadn't learned, when I was just learning this doctrine, I, I did. Those were questions I reflected on. And I think they're still good um, to think about that. Why is it that we serve him? But specifically to this, this doctrine, especially if this is new to you, um, Ask why is it that you serve the Lord, or why is it that you want to serve the Lord? Is it from a place of fear of um, that punishment, and and ask the Lord to help you with that if that's something you're struggling to understand or struggling to mm-hmm. comprehend. Um, so yeah. So in conclusion, the the wicked are cast into a fire that annihilates them. It renders them forever extinct. The resulting punishment of being cast into fire is a single event, like we were talking about earlier. It's a single event, but it has a permanent punishment, the results of which will remain for as long as God is living, that is, for eternity. It is not an ongoing punishment that continues without end. It is death, simply eternal death, a punishment that lasts forever. Simply put, Eternal life can be gained by no other source than Christ Jesus himself. And that is the important thing to realize. I'm going to say that again. Eternal life can be gained by no other source other than Christ Jesus himself. Amen. And so with that, thank you so much for listening. Uh, We hope and we pray that you are encouraged, that you learn something, and that we can see God is full of compassion. He's full, and he is love itself. And he, like we said before, he's not willing that we we should perish, but he wants us to come to repentance so we can be saved and be with him for eternity. He wants to be with us. He wants us to come to him. He wants us to seek him. And he is not, no, he's not a tyrant. He's not full of all these things which people claim to malign his character. And I have a scripture here that sums that all up. Beautifully. Psalm eighty six fifteen. But thou, O Lord, art a God full of compassion and gracious, long suffering and plenteous in mercy and truth. Amen. You have been listening to Spirit of Prophecy Podcast. We are signing off for now. May God bless you in abundance and may his Holy Spirit lead you into all truth. Amen. <laughs> Amen. God, God bless, bless everybody. Yep. <laughs> bye bye. Bye.